Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I am going to be chatting about alcohol <laughs> and about, I was going to, I was starting to say quitting alcohol, but I don't want to say that I've like officially quit for good, but I guess I would say giving up alcohol for an extended period of time. And if you have tried to give up alcohol before and it totally sucked, <laughs> I really encourage you to keep listening because I have been there too. And I'm going to talk about things a little bit differently than you have probably heard things talked about before, because it's different than any way I had ever heard, heard this whole topic talked about before. So, you know, I know when I was like, you know, I mean, just to kind of kick it off, like, and I'll go a little bit more into my relationship with alcohol, but I was someone who like, I love my wine. Like I would have like a couple glasses of wine a night definitely like to drink on the weekends. And I would always listen to these, you know, when other podcasts and stuff I would listen to would talk about like being sober for a bit or completely giving up alcohol or whatever they had, you know, decided to do. And I would always listen, even though I didn't like, I was very curious about it because obviously as somebody who is in the health space, I fully understand all of the health impacts that alcohol has on our bodies, but I just had this real emotional attachment to it that I just was not willing to walk away from. But I was always really curious to listen to other people's kind of stories about why they had given up alcohol or how they felt when they stepped away from it for a bit. And I have to say that nobody, I've never really felt like I could relate to any of these other people's kind of relationships to alcohol, the way they felt when they stop drinking alcohol because I have tried in the past before and I did not experience the things that those people had experienced and just kind of the overall concept of it. Like I just never related to. So if you feel the same way, I really encourage you to keep listening because maybe you will relate to this one. So I always feel like it is worth a shot. So basically this weekend marked six weeks for me of no alcohol. And for some people that might sound like not that big of a deal, but for me, like a week without alcohol, was a huge deal. So this is a really big deal. And I'm also like in no rush to drink again. I, my birthday was this past weekend. Not that I, you know, did this whole big birthday celebration. Um, and I'll kind of get into how I haven't really been in like real party settings and had to turn down a drink or explain why I'm not drinking yet. So that's kind of something that I can't fully speak to that experience just yet, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But it was my birthday. Um, I, of course, like celebrated with my husband, celebrated with my family. Um, I've been obviously like out to dinner with friends. I just got back from vacation, which in the past would have been, you know, an occasion where I would have been drinking all day and all night. Um, even though it was just like a relaxing vacation with my husband, not like a big friend's vacation or anything, but still alcohol was a very big 
part of my life. So for me, six weeks without drinking and feeling really good about it and not being in a rush to start drinking again is a really huge deal. And I'm so excited to share it because it's my entire mindset has just changed around drinking in such a huge, important way. And I just think it's so interesting and I want to share it because it may really have this impact on you as well. So, you know, just to kind of give you an understanding, the bulk of what I'm going to be talking about today really isn't the health impact of alcohol. It's really going into more of the mindset shift that has allowed me to really change my relationship with alcohol. And I think what's really interesting too is, you know, I, I have not been drinking for the last six weeks. But when I reflect back on last January, I tried to do um, dry January and I was miserable, (laughs) like could not have been more miserable. I didn't notice any significant differences that, you know, people think about when you talk about giving up alcohol, like changes in your skin or your hair or your sleep or your energy levels. And I have to be completely honest, I'm not really experiencing those changes now, even six weeks in and you know, I was with one of my best friends last night and she was even like, so if you don't mind me asking, like, why are you kind of not giving up on this? If you're not like seeing any real major impacts. And I'm going to get into that as well, because I think that again, just goes to show how much my mindset has changed when it comes to drinking and to alcohol and my relationship to alcohol, that I don't even need these external indicators to keep me motivated to continue to not drink. But I think the really big shift is that last January I was not drinking because I felt like I shouldn't drink. (laughs) And it was coming from a place of, you know, I, my wedding was last June and I was dealing with, I ended up discovering that I had this kind of gut issue that was causing me to gain weight really easily and really quickly and have a really hard time losing it. And I was just feeling really out of control around it leading up to my wedding, which obviously can make, I mean, I'm someone who's struggled with body image for my entire life and a wedding just exacerbates that completely. So feeling so out of control around my weight, I was like, okay, in January, I'm going to, you know, obviously I'm always someone who lives a healthy lifestyle, but I was like, I'm going to be even more conscious I'm going to not drink for dry January, doing all of these things. And it just, I was just miserable because it's just the opposite of the way that I, I mean, the way that I help people, the way that I live my life usually is not at all about restriction or anything around kind of this whole like weight loss diet mentality. And it was really sucked to feel like I was kind of like back in that for a brief moment in January and not drinking alcohol was wrapped up in that. And I, I mean, I hated every second of it. And I was the kind of person it's crazy to say was because it wasn't that long ago that I was this person that was kind of like, if I can't have a glass of wine, like life is not worth living. And it's, I, and it's funny too, because obviously I've been, you know, mostly plant-based for a few years now. And I used to say that about like cheese too. And it's just so funny once you kind of have this like mindset shift, you just see things so differently. And it's kind of so crazy that that was my mindset, but it totally was like I drinking, like having that glass of wine was like made my day, made my weekend felt like such an intricate part of like who I was as a person. (laughs) Like I really felt like I just love wine. I'm just a wine drinker. This is just me. And I like life isn't worth it without it. 
But what I was kind of starting to discover, you know, as obviously that January showed me and other times where I would kind of try to cut back on my alcohol is I really didn't like my relationship to it. And I'm not, I mean, short of being, you know, starting fights with my husband (laughs) that are silly kind of thing when I've had too much to drink. I don't think I'm someone who has like major issues that when I get too drunk and I'm, you know, out that I'm super hurtful or super reckless or anything like that. I'm also in my late thirties. So hopefully you wouldn't still be (laughs) in that kind of situation, but obviously everyone deals with alcohol differently. And I'm someone who, you know, when me and my friends go out, we still like to drink. I mean, I definitely drink probably a lot more than your average woman in her late thirties. And I like to have a couple glasses of wine every night. And I would find that if it was even like one day, I was miserable if I couldn't have wine. Like if it was, I don't know, like it, when I, if I do like a spa day kind of thing, get a massage and use the sauna, I would be like, I really shouldn't drink alcohol tonight because it's just, you know, my body is a temple today kind of thing. I should just be detoxing and really maximizing what I just invested and in taking care of my body. But then I'd be miserable all night if I couldn't just like have a glass of wine. Like I would on the weekends, it'd be like lunchtime and I'd be like, okay, time for me to pour a glass of wine. Like it was, it was like always on my mind to a point that made me a little bit uncomfortable. Like I, I, I definitely obviously had control over it and had these kind of like parameters of like, I would never drink in the morning. I would never drink during the day, you know, during the week, which again, that was kind of something that was a little bit of now with that, I make my own schedule and I'm not like officially on the clock with anybody but myself or obviously like clients and stuff like that. I would never do something like that when I have client meetings, but you know, it was kind of like, it scared me a little bit how challenging it was to like have to wait until five o'clock to pour that glass of wine. And I really just wanted to have a different relationship with it. Cause I felt like it was kind of running my life a little bit in a way that I just did not enjoy. And, you know, you might be kind of relating to this in a sense of where you feel you have control, quote unquote control, but it is kind of like on your mind more than you want it to be. And you do feel like when you can't be indulging in it, you are missing out. And that is like very much the way that I felt. And that is why, you know, that dry January where I gave it up, I didn't even make it the full like 30 or 31 days. I I think I just did like four weeks, like 28 days or something. And I wasn't experiencing any of the results that I wanted to. And I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to have another glass of wine. And uh, the big difference I think here, and this is something that I learned about in this class that I took. So basically I, I shared an episode a few weeks ago. that was basically how I'm kind of doing all these different things in my life. And one of them is what I'm talking about today, which is trying to have more control over my relationship with alcohol. So I have been doing this course called This Naked Mind um, by Annie Grace. And basically the whole concept behind it is that you, when you have an emotional attachment to something and you want it, it's always going to take willpower and it's going to be challenging to change the behavior around it. But if you can change your relationship and your desire towards it to the point that you don't have that anymore, then not partaking in it and changing the action that's related to it is a lot easier. So like, for example, I have no emotional attachment to cigarettes. Like if there is a pack of cigarettes on the table, 
it wouldn't, I wouldn't care about that. If everyone around me was smoking out, smoking cigarettes, and it was like, I couldn't have one. I wouldn't care because I don't want to have one because there is no, I have no emotional attachment to smoking cigarettes. There's no emotional desire in me to smoke a cigarette, but obviously alcohol was very different. I had all of these really strong emotional attachments to alcohol. And basically what this course does is it kind of gives you a different mindset into all of those stories that we have surrounding alcohol. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is a bit more of that mindset shift around alcohol to see if maybe this can kind of resonate with you in a different way than anything before. Because obviously if, if you're listening, I would imagine that you're interested in health. You probably know that alcohol isn't good for your health. I mean, I think we've all been fed, you know, the red wine has resveratrol and all that, which is, I mean, it that was really just like a marketing campaign for wine. Like, there's no real health benefit to alcohol other than, you know, we do talk about, I might've mentioned even before, like the blue zones, they'll have like a glass of wine, socializing with friends and family every night. But that is, you know, encompassed by this overall really healthy, holistic lifestyle that's full of, you know, stress reduction techniques and joy and nourishing foods and all of these things that many of us that are turning to wine every night haven't really gotten those mastered either. So we're definitely not living a blue zones lifestyle where that glass of wine doesn't have the same impact. And for a lot of us, we're turning to it for, for reasons other than just having, you know, joyful conversations with friends and family. So we're going to kind of be getting into some of that stuff today. So basically the way that she kind of kicks things off. And this is kind of the way that I would also like to kick this episode off is looking at the difference between hope versus doubt. And kind of whenever we're learning about something different or new or trying something different or new, we have this choice of we can either be hopeful that it's going to work or we can be doubtful that it's going to work. And I think that, you know, we have obviously approached a lot of situations like this in our lives. Again, from a health perspective, I, you know, for me, like the years and years of trying different diets or when clients work with me and try to balance their hormones. Like anytime you are trying something new that kind of is contrary to what is comfortable and normal in your life and take some form of effort because you're going to be ultimately changing a behavior or a mindset, you naturally fall into one of those camps. But we do have an option. Like we can intentionally choose to feel one or the other. And I think for me... I didn't really want to change my relationship with alcohol. I didn't want to admit that it wasn't good for me. I wasn't ready to say that I really wanted to make this change. So I think whenever I would kind of attempt these, these you know, brief sense of sobriety, it was coming from a place of doubt. It was being like, prove to me that this is going to make me feel different. Like, And every time I didn't, it was just like another reason for me to just want to have another glass of wine again. And in addition to that, because I was coming at it from a place of like, I'm only doing this because I want X, Y, Z results, it felt like a big should. And it always felt like I was missing out because it was like, I want it, but I shouldn't have it because of X, Y, Z reason, which obviously never sets us up for an instance where we're going to have an enjoyable experience. Because if you're going out to dinner with a friend and the whole time, all you can think about is that you're missing out because you want to have wine, but you shouldn't have it yeah, that experience is not going to be as fun as if you were just letting yourself have the glass of wine. But it also can be just as fun as if you have changed your mind about that wine so you no longer want it. And again, that's something that 
if you're where I was seven weeks ago, (laughs) probably sounds like that would never be able to happen. But if you go into things with this feeling of hope and really trying to look at it from the perspective of actually wanting it to work out, that can make a really huge impact. So just kind of keeping your mind open when I talk about this stuff, but also playing, you know, quote unquote, like devil's advocate. And that's kind of going to be what I'm doing in this conversation too. So basically I kind of want you to think about what, like why you drink alcohol, like what does it do for you that has a positive impact on your life? That is the reason that you wouldn't want to give it up. So, I mean, and this is obvious because it's not like I'm asking you why you haven't given up eating broccoli. (laughs) Like, we know that it's it's not good for our health. We all may have varying degrees of how much we feel that way or how important that is to us, but we know that it's not something that's like a great thing to be doing. So we're obviously weighing a bunch of factors and there is something that it's giving us so that we continue to do it. And, you know, even for me, I've for a long time because I didn't want to look at, at my relationship with alcohol as a bad thing. And I you know, would kind of talk about how everything is a balance, which I still totally agree with. But again, it's alcohol was always my really big vice, but I was still definitely overdoing it. And it is a vice that is, you know, a bit more serious than some of the other vices, arguably. And again, we'll get into that a little bit towards the end, but really mostly focusing on the mindset stuff. So for me, when I think about what alcohol gave to me and why I wanted to drink it, didn't want to give it up was I felt like it helped me relax. I felt like it would signify that the workday was over, that I could turn my brain off. Like I'm someone who's pretty type A, um, pretty has a hard time relaxing and not being productive. And it was kind of something that was like, okay, because I'm going to drink and feel a little buzz, like this means that like, I have to kind of stop doing productive things. I can let myself relax and chill and be done with my day. I also would drink to have fun. And yes, that would be like in social situations, out to dinner, you know, at a party, at a wedding, whatever that may be. But also I would feel like I needed to make like everything fun. Like, oh, reading a book is more fun if I have a glass of wine or I would pair it with something that I didn't really want to do and it would make it fun. So like, I don't love to cook, so I'll drink wine. I don't love to clean, so I'll drink wine. Like, And it really got to the point, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, why this happens, where it felt like it felt like I needed wine to make anything fun, but also to make anything like, I don't know, like even things that are supposed to be fun on their own, like reading a book or watching my favorite show or going out to dinner. Like it just felt like it wouldn't be fun without the wine because then I'd be missing out and then that would make it not fun. So I just had this whole story around it. And it was literally at the point where I was like, I drink when I'm stressed. I drink when I'm sad. I drink when I'm happy. I drink when I'm celebrating. I drink like, like, it's kind of like drinking was the answer to anything. Like whether it was a positive or negative emotion or neutral emotion, it was like, I just want to have a glass of wine paired with whatever is happening in my life. And, you know, just take a second. I'm sure you probably can relate to all of those things, but what other reasons maybe are you drinking alcohol? I know some people say it's, you know, to be happy. Some people say that it's, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody's got kind of their more specific reasons, 
Um, and maybe things you're even a little bit more in touch with, like maybe it is just to like numb out. So you don't really have to think about what's going on in your life. And you're just kind of like prolonging the inevitable of dealing with different kinds of challenging emotions or things that might be happening, or you just kind of want to be moving through things on autopilot. Like I know for me, when I was working my corporate job that I was really unhappy in, especially like before I met my husband, it was just like, I was on this hamster wheel of like working a crazy long day, coming home, pouring a glass of wine and basically just drinking and working at the same time until I'd pretty much like fall asleep in, you know, with my laptop on my lap. And it was just like, you know, kind of this like groundhog day over and over again. And wine felt like it was the only thing that like made it bearable at points, which kind of is sad to say. So you know, really just kind of getting some of these thoughts in your head for as I walk through some of these other things, so you can kind of see if they help to, to give you a little bit of this mindset shift that I experienced. So I want to explain how alcohol actually impacts our dopamine, our feel-good hormone. And this was a really big eye-opener for me, because obviously this kind of shed some light on the whole, I drink to have fun idea or maybe even I drink to have happy some to be happy. Some people may think, but basically I want you, it, it's easier when you can see this kind of visually, cause there's like this like chart situation, but I'm going to explain it as clearly as I can. But basically if you figure there's like this neutral line that we're all like a content neutral, like baseline that we feel normally and different things will give us these dopamine hits that make us feel kind of like this brief, like euphoria, really happy feeling. So things like watching one of your favorite shows or going to dinner with a friend or eating something really delicious or reading a book or whatever, you know, these things will be that will give us these dopamine hits that feel really good. And when we do those things, you know, we'll have that peak and then we'll come back down to content and we're good. But when we drink alcohol, it ends up giving us this really high, like artificial bump, which makes us feel really good, like better than most natural things make us feel. But the problem is that once we start coming back down, we go past that point of neutral and content, and we actually dip down into the other end, which is kind of that depressed state or dysphoria, like the opposite of euphoria, which is kind of defined as feeling like uneasy, unhappy, or dissatisfied. So instead of just being able to reach a baseline again, it starts to like creep us down into these this negative side of emotions that is really linked with unhappiness, uneasiness, and just general dissatisfaction. So then when we're in this state, our body is really wanting another drink to get another hit of dopamine. And this description was like the most like eye-opening way to explain it. And it's the concept of like right now, we think that when we have a, a drink of alcohol, it's providing pleasure for us. It's giving us that dopamine hit. It's making us feel good. It's making us feel happy. But what we don't realize is that it's actually just helping us, it's, it's like scratching an itch that it created. So pretty much the way that that um, Annie explains it in the program is that it's kind of like the concept of when you're wearing shoes and you get a blister and it's so painful and then you take the shoe off and you feel this major sense of relief because that pain is no longer being like pressed upon. So you're feeling relief and it feels really good, but it's it's not doesn't feel good to just have a blister with nothing on it. It's just relief from a pain that's more extreme than that. And that is the same thing that drinking does is that when you have 
alcohol and then it goes leaves your system, it brings you into this negative area and it creates that blister. And having that drink is taking the shoe off. It's just creating a form of relief. It's it's like I was saying before, it's scratching the itch that the drink itself created. So it's not giving you true pleasure. It's just removing some of the pain that it's creating in and of itself. So basically that's why it's addictive because it keeps you in this place where you keep needing more and more. And unfortunately, the longer that we drink for and the more we drink, the more that we need to even feel like we're at a baseline. And this again is what was true for me. Like it starts to make it hard to enjoy normal pleasures like reading a book or watching your favorite show or, you know, whatever it may be that should just make us happy all anyway, like as a baseline. But I was getting to the point where it's like, I needed alcohol for all of these things for them to feel the way I wanted them to feel. And I think that this is such a big eye opener, especially if you are, you know, like me, where it was kind of reaching that point where you kind of just want a glass of wine paired with anything and everything. And this is also the reason why alcohol is linked with depression, because it does just continue to bring us further down and down away from that content state and in need of like needing something to, to dissolve that like uneasy feeling that we're experiencing. And in addition, you know, those symptoms of dysphoria, which I mentioned, the uneasiness, the unhappiness and the dissatisfaction can also be really linked to that feeling of anxiety. So alcohol is, it's a sedative and it releases GABA, which is a calming hormone. And basically the more that we drink, the more that we build up a tolerance for that GABA to be released to get that same calming effect. So again, that's like how we feel calmer when we drink it, it is true in the first place in the sense of it is releasing that GABA chemical. But when we drink on a consistent basis, our body starts to not really be able to produce that chemical for itself and calm ourselves down internally. So we start to, again, become reliant on the alcohol to give us that calming factor. And we have a harder time with our body being able to regulate itself when it comes to calming and reducing anxiety. And that can also be why we end up feeling a lot more anxious when we're in that come down from alcohol. And why we then feel like the only thing that will calm us down from there is drinking again. So, I mean, depression and anxiety are like two of the, like the most like the things that so many women are struggling with these days and alcohol can be a really, really big factor in this. So another huge concept that I had never really thought about before is how just like entangled alcohol is with the idea of having fun. Like as adults, we're kind of just, it's normalized that you like at least for me, I feel, and I've noticed it a lot, even now that I am not drinking, how much drinking comes up in conversation or on TV or in advertisements, like it's everywhere. But basically it's like, you drink when you go to a concert, you drink when you go out with your friends, you drink when you're at the beach. And it starts to make you feel like you can't enjoy those things sober. Like the drinking is what makes the activity fun. And you may even be thinking, well, yeah, it kind of is because I've done those things before and I haven't been able to drink because maybe you were pregnant or maybe, I don't know, you're on some kind of medication or you had something the next day where you couldn't drink or whatever it may be. But if the reason you couldn't drink wasn't because you just didn't want to drink, it was because you felt like you shouldn't. Therefore, you went into the activity with the expectation that it wasn't going to be as fun without drinking. 
that's what you're going to get. I mean, we create our own reality in so many ways. And we have just let all these things get so entangled into one thing. Concerts, objectively fun. Hanging out with your friends, objectively fun. Going to the beach, being on vacation, like all of these things are fun activities. And again, this is also to say it's a very different situation if these are things where it's like you're with a group of people and everybody else is wasted and you're the only sober one. Have to say, I've not experienced this yet. I am going to test it out for sure because I do want to understand what that feeling is like for myself. So I know how I kind of want to navigate things like that. So I can't say that I'm speaking from experience. Like, again, I'm in my late 30s, probably once a month typically would be an activity where it's like a big group of us and people are pretty drunk. But like, it's not, I'm not like living a lifestyle like I was 10 years ago where drinking was, you know, so much more of like a social component and it would have been hard to be a part of it without the alcohol. So I'm grateful that I am at this point in my life where it's a lot easier for me to make this decision from a social perspective and when it comes to like spending time with friends and stuff like that. But even so, if you had asked me a few months ago, I would have been like, if I can't drink when I go to X concert, like that's going to suck. When I've had friends that are pregnant or can't drink for some reason, I'm like, feel myself feeling sorry for them and making sure they're having fun because I'm feeling like, oh, I wouldn't be having fun if I couldn't drink. But it was, was all because that was the mindset that I had going into it. And even for me, like, it's so crazy to think like, I just got back from beach vacation, didn't have a sip of alcohol. And when I reflect on, you know, when I've been at this resort in the past, the drinks aren't even that good. And wine is kind of gross and warm when you drink it on the beach during the day, but I would still drink it, even though I didn't really like it that much, because it's just like, that's what you do. Cause that's how you have fun on a beach vacation. Like I was just so, it was all so entangled in my head. And it's just so interesting to really look at your belief system when it comes to this, because if in your head, it's like drinking equals fun and not drinking equals miserable. That is the reality that you're going to create. And to just really be open to the concept of maybe all of these things could be really fun without the alcohol. And maybe it's at least worth a shot because I think so often we just don't even try or we try with this chip on our shoulder. Like we already know it's going to suck and therefore we're just proven right. And that's that. So now that I've kind of shared like those as being like the really big things that kind of shifted my mindset in a significant way, I wanted to talk a little bit about like how this has actually looked practically in my life, because obviously from a practical standpoint, it's also a habit. Like I wasn't like physically addicted to it. And again, I just feel the need to say, obviously I'm not a doctor. This is not like medical advice. If you feel like you actually are like have a physical addiction, like that could be a very different thing, but the vast majority of us have much more of an emotional addiction to it. And then obviously you're just stuck in this dopamine cycle that I just previously spoke about where we feel like we just need to keep scratching that itch. But When it comes to just a habit, you know, for the sake of being a habit, we know how hard those are even to change. And it's really hard to just stop it. It's a lot easier if we can find some kind of replacement. And I know for me, it got really hard. And I think, honestly, part of the reason that maybe my drinking got a little bit worse as time went on was because I wasn't drinking. Like I've always, I mean, even before I was health conscious, I was weight conscious. So I would never have been drinking things that had like calories in them, but I used to drink a lot of coffee and I gave caffeine up a few years ago and I, you know, so I'm really just drinking water all day. And 
by five o'clock, it's like, I don't want to drink water anymore. <laughs> like, I just want to taste something that tastes different and tastes good. And I know I've worked with a lot of clients that say the same thing. They're like, I love water and all, but like, I need other stuff. And I think that was a big piece of it too, was sometimes by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm just ready to like have something that feels like somewhat of a treat and something different. So it, and it can be harder. Cause I know again, in this, this program that I'm taking, they'll be like, you know, get a soda when you're out at dinner. And it's like, I'm, I'm not trying to drink either, you know, high fructose corn syrup or artificial sweeteners or any of those things that are in sodas. So if you are somebody who is more health conscious across the board when it comes to obviously reducing your alcohol, but then also watching things that impact your body in other negative ways, it can feel like it's really like, what can I have? What can I drink? So I will have to say that I actually have been really loving Spindrift, which has all clean ingredients and the grapefruit flavor has kind of this like tartness that almost, I don't know, makes me feel like I'm having like some kind of like a cocktail kind of thing. I really enjoy it. Again, I'm not really into sweet taste, so I also have a hard time with that, but I would definitely say experimenting with something like the Spindrifts again, because they're clean, they come in a bunch of different flavors and I've had it kind of replace what wine used to feel like in the sense of, you know, at five o'clock every day, it's like, okay, like now I can like pour my grapefruit spin drift and it's time to like relax and start like winding down for the day. So it, it gives me that same kind of like, ah, like feeling that like pouring the glass of wine used to feel. And the other thing that's really interesting to point out too, and you might notice this as well, is there would be some times where I would pour the glass of wine and I would already feel the sense of relief before I even had a sip of it. Like to a certain extent, it really is just like the habit and the ritual. So that's another thing to consider is, you know, just really replacing that ritual with something that supports you more. So that's, you know, one of my recommendations is like those, those seltzers can be really great or finding something that works for you. And if you're looking for recommendations, you can always reach out to me and let me know what kinds of things you like and don't, and I can help you look for things too. But I would definitely recommend rather than just trying to give something up cold turkey without a replacement, finding something else that makes you feel like, okay, this feels like a little bit of a reward. It's time for me to wind down and be done with my day. And I also have to say that I do feel like my, obviously I'm always like conscious about what I eat. It's very important to me to feel good, but I feel like I have probably been ordering in a little bit more and maybe turning to food for comfort or for celebration a bit more than I had previously because wine was a little bit more of that for me before. And, you know, it's really easy to beat ourselves up and, you know, all of that that comes with being harder on ourselves for not living up to whatever expectations we may have or being as, you know, diligent or disciplined as we typically are. But I kind of just was gentle with myself and understanding like for me, giving up alcohol was huge. And even though the mindset of it for me was kind of like a, like a light bulb moment. And then it was like, okay, but it, there is still that practical piece of you do still want something when you have a stressful day or when you, you know, are celebrating something special and it is hard to be kind of changing so many things at once. So this is also kind of me saying, I'm not saying like <laughs> throw caution to the wind and just eat horribly and give up alcohol, but I'm saying when you're making these huge shifts, this is why doing it in phases and being kind to yourself is so important because it's, 
it's not easy and everything comes down to habits. So there's only so many things sometimes that we can really feel comfortable with changing at any one given time. So if you feel like some of your other things slip slightly because you're taking on this major endeavor of cutting back on alcohol, that's totally normal. And just be kind to yourself because beating yourself up doesn't help anybody. That's for sure. And then when it comes to going out, I mean, now mocktails are like everywhere and really delicious. So I really don't feel when I'm going out to dinner for the most part that I'm missing out really at all. It's kind of hard when I like I went to an Italian place with my parents like in Westchester. And it's kind of like if I wasn't going to drink like a Coke, (laughs) like there wasn't really anything else to drink. But if you know that you want to be obviously making this choice to not drink alcohol, then pick a place that you know will have mocktails that will make you feel really good. And, you know, just consider that how you can kind of make this whole process as like fun and enjoyable for yourself as possible. And it was interesting because what you'll also find too, as you're going through this process is things will just like hit you different at certain points. Like, you know, we just got back from vacation. So I think it'd been like four weeks of not drinking when we went and we went to the beach during the day and there I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, I normally would have had a drink here, but it's kind of like, it's kind of not great to be like sitting in the beating hot sun. I'd rather just be like drinking water. But after we were like showering and getting ready in the room before we went out to dinner, I was like, this is like, I really miss having something like this totally would have been when I would have a glass of wine and we couldn't locate Spindrift anywhere local (laughs) that I could find. So it was really uncomfortable that first day, just kind of being like, oh, that kind of sucks. But I still felt like, yes, I would like from a habit perspective, or just like, it feels nice to be able to like come back from the beach shower, have something that tastes delicious before you go to dinner. But it still wasn't, didn't make me want to drink alcohol again. Like it wasn't like, well, then I guess I'll just break down and have the alcohol. I was like, okay, well then I guess I'll just have to wait for dinner (laughs) and have a drink there, which again, that only comes with having that real mindset shift and, you know, thinking that we can just like push and willpower our way through things. It's, it's really challenging and it's usually not the like sustainable way for us to approach things. It's really, I talk about all the time, the way our mindset just plays such a huge part and all these types of things. And, you know, then the whole time on vacation, it was having mocktails at dinner and it was delicious and I couldn't have enjoyed myself more, but it's funny because I I do think I have some practice with like, like the fact that I've been plant-based for years now, you know, it is kind of the having to, there's no really other way to say this, but having to feel like people think you're kind of lame. Like, you know, we would talk to a concierge or we would talk to a waiter and it would be like, my husband would be saying in Spanish, like she's vegan. She doesn't drink alcohol. And I'm like, oh God, everyone's probably rolling their eyes in the back. And you do have this moment of just feeling like a little bit insecure because you're not like everybody else. Like everybody who I feel like was making jokes about just have a little tequila or was like a free drink here or whatever. Like it's just so socially accepted to drink alcohol and so socially accepted to just completely ignore all the negative impacts that it can have on our body, both, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, literally everything. And, you know, I think it can be really hard for people to have that feeling of being like, oh, people are going to judge me or this is awkward. And I just have to say, especially when it's just like a concierge on a waiter or something, it's literally just momentary awkwardness and then it's done. And 
but still so many of us just to avoid that will just give into that societal pressure to do what's normal. And, and this is really your permission slip to just not do anything because it's just easier or what you should do or anything like that. Always do what feels right for you. And when it comes to conversations with people in your life, if you are, you know, wanting to kind of like experiment with giving yourself a bit of a break from alcohol, you know, they say that like 30 days is when you can really create space from that like hamster wheel and all of that and actually start feeling like just so much better in your body from a physical standpoint, but also like really breaking that emotional attachment. You can kind of just say like, I'm taking a break. I've just been feeling like alcohol has not really been agreeing with me lately. So I just want to see how I feel without it. Like just kind of not, not leaving it up for interpretation, not making up excuses, ideally, where you're kind of saying like, oh, I have an early day tomorrow because people love to just try and talk you into drinking. And then you'll have to kind of like keep giving people a reason where if it's just kind of like, no, it's a no for me tonight because I'm trying this thing where I just see how I feel without it. And if people have a hard time with that, it's really, it's about them. It's not about you. And I mean, I even know that I was this person a little bit, like when people would not be drinking, it would make me feel like I, it would make me have to look for a little bit at like, why am I? <laughs> and that's kind of why you get that reaction from people because it it gives them pause and it makes them kind of have to examine their actions a little bit, even though you're not saying anything to them that implies that, but that's just kind of human nature. So just knowing that you don't owe anybody an explanation, you do not have to give in to pressure on this stuff. And if this is at all calling to you, I so encourage you to give it a shot. And honestly, most people in your life will be super proud of you. I know that's how people feel about me. And I think that it is just so important to to take care of you and not ever, ever <laughs> give in to peer pressure. It sounds dumb because I'm sure most of you listening to this are like in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and peer pressure sounds silly. But at the same time, how often do we do things just because it's easier for us to not have to have the conversation or to not have to explain ourselves or whatever it may be. And the interesting thing about all of this is that to be totally honest with you, I haven't really felt any <laughs> major difference since I stopped drinking. And, you know, my friend that I was with last night was saying like, oh, I do feel like your skin looks better. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it does. It, it, these things are so subtle that it's hard for us to kind of like see it as it's happening. But she said, which, you know, is fair. Like, why are you going to stick with it given that you're really not seeing any impact? And I mean, the main difference, the main reason for this is A, that my mindset has just totally shifted. So it's like, that's, I'm not doing it because I quote unquote should to get these external validative things like having clear, you know, my skin looking younger or my hair being thicker or losing weight or whatever. And I do think those things probably will come with more time, but that's not the reason behind them. It really is about my overall health and well-being, which is basically what I talked about from a well-being aspect before this, and also from, you know, kind of a, a spirituality standpoint and feeling like more authentically myself, which I'll get into in a minute. And I'm not going to get into the health stuff too deep on this podcast, but if you are curious about learning more about the way it impacts your health, I'm going to link out to this amazing series that Liz Moody did on the Healthier Together podcast, where she had on various experts and talk about all different things, alcohol's relationship to 
hormones, which we'll obviously touch on a little bit because it's me, but she goes deeper on the hormonal impacts, talk about how it impacts your brain, how it, it can lead to certain cancers. She has an episode about how you can deal with those social situations and stuff like that resulting from it. So I totally recommend checking her out. Again, I will link to it if you are interested, but really for me, a, I'm just trying to be alcohol free for as long as possible to see what results will continue to come. And I know that when I drink again, it's going to be far, far reduced, special occasions, big celebrations, that kind of thing. And that I will basically become what is a essential, a moderate or even less than that drinker. And what that basically means is one drink a day or seven a week but no more than three on any day because that would be considered heavy drinking. And basically once you end up crossing into this moderate, which is that one drink a day, and this is you know only five ounces of wine. So one drink a day is probably not like the drink that most of us are pouring when we're pouring drinks. Um, anything more than that is considered heavy drinking. So, I mean, I was like basically binge drinking like pretty consistently and my body had just gotten used to it. And that's what happens to a lot of us too, as our body just adjusts. So just some quick things that happens when we are drinking this way, when we're drinking at all, our sleep is affected. So a lot of us think like, no, alcohol helps me sleep, but that's not really true because alcohol is essentially a sedative. Like ethanol was actually used as a sedative before we had other forms of sedatives. So when you're falling asleep, when you've been drinking alcohol, it's not a productive or restorative sleep. It is basically just knocking you unconscious. And I mean, sleep, I've done an episode on sleep in the past. If you want to check that out, I'll link to that in the show notes as well, but it impacts absolutely everything when it comes to our health and longevity and, you know, hormones, brain health being some of the really big ones, gut health, heart health. I mean, sleep literally impacts absolutely everything. And obviously when it comes to our hormones, as I spoke about previously, it messes with our dopamine levels. It can also stimulate cortisol production, which we obviously know now is that stress hormone. It makes us feel stressed, has all other kinds of downstream impacts in the body and gives us just that kind of uneasy feeling, which also can come with that shift in our dopamine levels. Also, when it comes to women's hormones, unfortunately, just like everything else, there's not a ton of great studies out there and it's definitely under-researched in comparison to other things, but it has been found that heavy drinking, which is anything more than the four, sorry, anything more than seven drinks in a week can lead to menstrual irregularity, suppressed progesterone, increased testosterone and elevated estrogen levels. So all of these things can really exacerbate things like PCOS, also, when we drink, it impacts our liver's ability to detox and detoxing estrogen is a really important part of our liver's responsibilities for our body and managing our hormones. So when our liver is sluggish and not operating the way it should, this can lead to estrogen dominance, which is something that I've talked about previously on the show. I can link out to that episode as well, but this is when we kind of have those really classic PMS symptoms like, um, cravings, acne, um, volatile emotions, irritability, bloating, cramping. I mean, cramping is a big one and it can also lead to things like heavier periods, endometriosis and fibroids. And also any kind of moderate to heavy drinking has been linked with inhibiting ovulation, which obviously impacts fertility. So this is really just such a brief summary of the ways that alcohol can affect our hormones and our health in general. It also can impact our gut and cause things like inflammation, which is really the number one contributor to lifestyle diseases overall. So unfortunately, as much as 
I know I wanted to kind of ignore its impacts for so long. And I think many of us kind of want to put our head in the sand when it comes to this. And honestly, kind of society in general, again, I'm just like, now that my eyes are open to it, literally baffled by how messages about drinking are just so accepted and commonplace. And it's, it is just kind of crazy knowing how negative it can impact our body that it's just like so widely accepted that it's just a normal part of being an adult. And, you know, and again, for me, it was living a like fun and enjoyable life when actually it's totally the opposite. Like when we are drinking alcohol and letting it hijack our hormones and our dopamine, it's preventing us from being able to enjoy life to the fullest, from being able to see the fun in the little moments because it's keeping us just like lower and lower on that below that content level. And it's taking all these artificial things to build us back up. And, you know, I've been getting way more into spirituality and being more in touch with my intuition and my emotions and, you know, just who I really am as a person and, you know, numbing out every night in front of the TV and like sedating myself essentially with alcohol is, is not, it's not like the only way to live, (laughs) which sadly was kind of the way I felt was like, life isn't worth living without that, you know, glass of wine. It's like, it's, it's inhibiting me from really living the life that I want to live, really being in touch with who I am, really, you know, having the, everything that I want from life and enjoying the little moments in, in every given day. And it, it sounds really silly, but I do feel like such a shift. And I guess that really is kind of the biggest thing that I've noticed. I just so much feel so much more in touch with myself which could be obviously all these other things that I'm working on. But I just feel like when I'm spending all this time devoting things to learning more about myself and, you know, working on inner child work and shadow work and, you know, therapy, but then I'm like just using alcohol to kind of numb out every night. It just feels so counterintuitive and it just didn't feel aligned with where I'm going or who I want to be anymore. And I think that that is something that's really important to think about because I used to kind of, and it sounds silly, like be like, I'm just one of those people that drinks. But now it's like, I don't think like I'm on this planet because I should have a glass of wine every night. And like, no, no, like that's not, that's not like the purpose of life. <laughs> the purpose of life is to enjoy it as much as we possibly can and be as present as possible. And sometimes, yeah, maybe that involves like having a glass of wine here and there. But the way that I was using it and the way I think most people are is not not that dynamic and not that way of like giving us the best possible life that we can. So, you know, I'm not saying that I'll never drink again. Like, I don't know, but I honestly have not felt the urge, <laughs> but I will be curious to see what it's like to be the only sober one in a situation where everyone else is drunk. Again, I haven't been in a situation like that and I will fill you guys in when I'm there. And, you know, I do, I am grateful for the fact that my life is, it's pretty easy to live this way and feel good this way. And I have a lot of supportive friends in my life that going out with them one-on-one, it's like totally a non-thing, but I think it will be really interesting to see what other situations will be like with, without alcohol. But I also do want to, you know, challenge you again to think about what alcohol gives you. You know, have I challenged your beliefs at all? Like, 
you know, for me, again, it was, I drink to relax, but obviously we've talked about now that actually stresses our body out. It creates is that, uh, that uneasiness. And that's why we feel like we need to relax. So again, this is like not an issue for me at all. Like, do I really look forward to my spin drift? Have I like pavlopped myself into that helping me relax? Yes. And if that's what you need to do too, there's absolutely no downfall to that. So I no longer feel the attachment for alcohol in that sense. To have fun. I mean, I now obviously see how I was just needing it to have fun in any possible capacity. And it was kind of stealing the natural joy from like actually just normally fun things in my life. So I, again, I can't say how it's going to feel when I'm in a situation where everybody else is drunk, but I do feel like I know that if it's the event in and of itself and like me not being, not drinking in that situation, I have no doubt that those situations will be fun for me. And I'm excited to experience even more things with that alcohol. And, you know, the signifying that my workday is over and that I could turn my brain off, like I can give myself that permission. And I think that's another thing that we, like I was realizing, I was just giving alcohol control over so many different things and it's not drinking it and being able to just be really honest about things like that. Like I can say that the workday is over and I can turn my brain off. I don't need to like sedate myself to the point where my body is like, you have to stop thinking. (laughs) And, you know, I think that that's just a really important learning through this whole process is it does make you really kind of have to examine what it's how you there's some things you consciously realize alcohol is doing for you and maybe some that you're going to be really surprised by as you maybe embark on this process so you know they say that 30 days without alcohol is how long it takes to reset that sounds super scary i would say just start with a week see how you feel like just kind of try this mindset on for size like does it resonate like can you see how these things are true? Does it make you want to change things? Does it make you want to try it out for yourself? I have to say that nothing else really had ever made me feel that like hopeful that something was going to work for me or change my perspective on it until I heard things explained this way. So I would love to hear what you thought about this. If it's something you've heard before, if it's totally different and totally resonated with you, if you want someone cheering you on, on trying to cut back on alcohol in your life, I'm your girl. I would love to hear, you know, how this this resonated. And if you want to hear more things about cutting back on alcohol or tips or health or anything like that related to this topic, I would love to know and to chat more about it. So thank you again for being here as always. And I will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.